Well, hey friends, happy Sunday to you. Uh, it's so great to see you today. I hope you're doing well. My name is Clay Munkus, and I get the honor of being the lead pastor here at Next Level. And as I say every week, uh, if you come in person and we have never met, uh, I would love to meet you. But just know, even if we never meet, I'm glad that you've chosen to join us. And I am not sure how much you know about me. But one of the things that I have done is I've taught myself over the last couple of years is how to invest and trade in the stock market. And while the overall market this year has been down, uh, there is some interesting action that has been going on. Let me tell you what I saw last week. If on Monday you would have invested in Comera Life Sciences, you would have made 108% on your money by Friday. If you would have invested, again, on Monday in Pagaya Technologies, you would have made 138% by Friday. If you would have invested in Geovax Labs, you would have made 173% on your money by Friday. And if on Monday, you would have invested in AMT Digital, which is a digital solution platform in Asia, there was a point on Friday where you would have been up 789%. Now, it came down to 536 by the end of the day, but that is a lot, right? And I know some of you are thinking, man, maybe I need Clay as my broker. <laughs> Trust me, you don't. I only got a very, very, very small part of that action, and most of them I just missed altogether. But the point is, today, I don't really want to talk to you about financial investments. I want to talk to you about something far more important than that. I want to talk to you about how to invest your life. You see, when it comes to your life, you can do three things with it. You can waste your life, and there are a lot of ways that you can do that. You can spend your life, and there are marketers and advertisers that make sure that there are many ways to do that. Or you can invest your life. And to invest your life means to use it in a way that outlasts it, to make a difference for eternity, to leave a legacy. Scripture tells us this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, look at this, to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. God is trying to make it very clear to us through the Bible that we were created to make a contribution, right? Let me put it to you this way. We were not put on this earth to be a consumer. We were put on this earth to be a contributor, right? You were born in this life to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Do you know what that means? It means that you were placed here to bring the realities of heaven, things like peace, equality, compassion, love, reconciliation, and a whole lot more. You were created to bring those things to where we live on earth. And that contribution that you make with your life, with your talents, with your abilities, the Bible calls that your ministry. And I know we often think ministry is something that people like me do, is something that pastors do. But ministry is for every person. When you take your talent, your abilities, and whatever it is that you're good at, and you use it to help other people unselfishly, you're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And God says that contribution of your life is called ministry. And man, does our world need the church to be fully engaged in investing in others right now. There are so many things going on that, quite honestly, it can just be overwhelming at times. I remember the first time that I was overwhelmed by need. It was in August of 1992. Hurricane Andrew had just blown through South Florida where I was in seminary. And after the storm passed, some friends and I, we went down and we were overwhelmed by the need. I mean, entire neighborhoods 
were literally blown away. Let me give you a couple of pictures here. This is the scene that we walked in on. Entire neighborhoods, trees, houses, completely gone. Just an absolute disaster everywhere that you went. Everywhere we turned, there were people in need. And at 22 years old, there was a deep sense that this problem was bigger than me. Uh, there wasn't much that I could do to help. I could clean up this, but man, this problem was huge. This was just the beginning. As I've gotten older, the barrage of need has continued to be in front of me. And if I'm honest, I can get overwhelmed by all of it, and maybe you do too. It seems that in the age of information, we are made aware of everything. Every natural disaster, every murder, child trafficking, drug addiction, suicide rate, physical abuse, much, much, much more. And there is always someone that feels that any given issue should be at the top of everyone's list, right? And I don't know how you respond to that. I think some people have just shut it off. But if you have a compassionate heart, it's just heartbreaking, right? You, you can hardly watch the news or, or look at your phone without your heart being broken. And then to compound that with the personal tragedy that we hear about every day, right? You, you hear that that neighbor that, that you're good friends with or that you're aware of, you, you hear they're getting divorced. You hear about another neighbor who has a very, very sick child. And, and so there's just this problems that are going on. Like so-and-so is having trouble in their marriage. Uh, can you come over and talk to us? Uh, a friend of yours has a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. Someone close to you was just diagnosed with cancer. For me, and maybe you're not this way, I just get frustrated because I realize that I just can't do anything about any of it, right? None of it. And maybe you've been in, uh, like I have, a third world country where some of the worst parts of the world just, you, you just look at the poverty and you think, man, short of just starting over, I don't think anything can be done about this. And, and you know that government agencies all across the world have thrown gazillions of dollars after every kind of level of poverty trying to deal with epidemics and on and on it goes to no results. So what do you do with that? How do you bring the kingdom of God into all of that. And depending on your personality, you respond in different ways to that. Some of you say, well, Clay, just get over it. Right? Just go back to work. Uh, quit reading all of that. Quit looking at that on your phone. Right? There's part of me that would like to do that, to just shut the whole thing down and not pay any attention. But I'm a Christian. And most of you who are watching this or listening to this are Christians, and you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to do that, but at the same time, we can't solve any of this, right? Each week, there just seems to be more, more divorces, more families breaking up, more international disasters. There's more famine, more heartbreak, more sickness, more people forced and sold into the sex trade, more kids needing to be fostered. There's just going to be more and more and more of that. But you can't just shut it off. I mean, it's tempting, but we shouldn't shut it off. Again, we're Christians. We're followers of Jesus. We can't do that. And yet there is nothing really honestly that you can do or I can do to completely fix it. So what do you do with all of these things? More specifically, what do we as Christians do with that? 
I mean, we are called to step into this. We are called to bring the kingdom of heaven into all of this. But it is so absolutely overwhelming, yet we can't ignore it. We can't pretend like it's not there. We can't solve it. We can't fix it. We can't, on our own, change the world. Now, if you can identify with anything that I just said, and if that stirs something inside of you, then I'm glad that you're watching this today because this is what we want to talk about. And the good news is, in the scriptures, we're given a clue as to what to do. And here is what I want us to do this morning. I want us to look at what Paul has to say. He's going to give us a clue in how do we handle this. And then I want to give you a simple statement that I heard in a sermon a long time ago, like 15 years ago or more. And I started applying it to my own life, and it made a difference. And then I want to talk to you about an up-and-coming or an upcoming opportunity to make a difference. So... First, let's look at what Paul wrote. If you've got a Bible, let's go to Galatians chapter 6, where Paul starts talking about doing good things in our community. Go down to verse 9, and he says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. I love that, because some of us are wired in such a way that we can become weary in doing good, right? We just see something that needs help or someone that needs help, and we just dive in. And then we see a need over there, and we jump into that, and a need over there, and we jump into that. And in this particular context, doing good has a pretty broad meaning. He's talking about morally. He's talking about good ethically. He's talking about good to other people, just doing good, whatever doing good is. Don't become weary in doing good, which I love, because at some point, you just get tired of doing good, don't you? All right, you get tired. If you're around, and you're just like, man, I'm tired. I'm tired of being generous. I'm tired of serving other people. You get tired of caring. You get tired of being engaged. You get tired of paying attention to everything that's around. So Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest, what does he say? If we do not give up. Paul is saying, look, I understand the weariness that comes with caring. I understand the weariness that comes from carrying other people's burdens. And I understand how tired you can get when it comes to seeing all the needs around you and you're not sure that you can do anything that really makes a big difference. He says, but don't become weary in doing good. In other words, to a certain group of you, he's saying, don't disengage. Don't say, you know what, I can't do anything about any of it, so I'm not even going to look. Right? I, I can't solve it, so I don't even want to know about it. It just bothers me. It just stirs me up on the inside, so I just want to shut it off. He says, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You've got to stay engaged. You've got to stay involved. You, you've got to not grow weary in doing good because he says, in time, there's a payoff. There's a reward if you don't grow weary. So he goes on. In the next verse, he says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, and elsewhere it's translated, that same word opportunity, as time. So let's, let's say it this way. Therefore, as we have time, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And as one translator puts it, opportunity this time, right, that we have, we need to invest it. In fact, almost everywhere in the New Testament, other translations test, uh, translate that word to time. So as you consider your time 
and your opportunity. And you all know that you have limited time, right? And you have limited opportunity. But as you consider your pace of life, the amount of time you have, as you consider uh, the time in your life, as you have opportunity, he's saying, as you have time, as God gives you that time, do good for other people, especially those who are part of the household of faith. Now, my point is simply this. Paul clearly says, in spite of the fact that there are problems we can't solve, in spite of the fact that there will always be issues that we will never be able to fully fix, you and I are called to do what we can for someone somewhere. That my little bit of extra time, as God gives me the opportunity, I can't shut my eyes to the needs of others. I can't miss the opportunity that I have to do something for someone. And here's the phrase that I learned a number of years ago I've been living by. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And I know this goes against everything that your kindergarten teacher taught you, right? You were in kindergarten, she says, well, if I do it for you, then I have to do it for everyone. But she is not the only person who's told you this. Maybe you had parents that would say the same thing. Well, if I do it for you, I've got to do it for your brother or your sister or your coach said this. And I know your boss has said this at work, right? I, I know that what you thought when they said this. Because you thought the same thing I thought when they said that. Well, if I let you leave work early, then I have to let everybody else leave work early. What did you think? No, you don't. You can just let me go. And you know what? I won't tell anybody, right? I won't tell anybody. You don't tell anybody. Who in the world said that you can't let me leave early because everybody else has to leave early? It's not true. You can just let me go. And what happens for some of us, that way of thinking, if I do it for one, I have to do it for everyone, we begin to carry this throughout our life. And when we do, we miss this very powerful idea that your responsibility and my responsibility is to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone and not allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by the fact that we can't do for everyone so that we end up doing for no one. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can't hide behind that phrase because you have a responsibility and I have a responsibility. And I think the solution for you is to just simply ask this question. Oh, don't have it here. Who is the one? I can't do for everyone, but who is that one that I wish I could do for everyone? All right? People will say, well, well, that's not fair. Here's a newsflash for you. Don't even try to be fair. Never be fair. Never, ever be fair. I don't know if you know this. God's not fair. Your mama wasn't fair. Dad's not fair. Life's not fair. Forget about being fair. It's not about being fair. It's about doing the right thing. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. My prayer for you as we go through this series is that God begins to nudge you. That beginning today, you're going to see that one single mom who was out there. You're going to see that one struggling family. You're going to see that one group of kids that's in your neighborhood or at church. You're going to see that one guy in your office. You're going to see that one executive that you work with. You're going to see that one group of kids at church. You're going to see that age group. You're going to see that one children's home. You're going to see that one homeless mission. You're going to see whatever, that, that one community organization that's out there. 
And I've been praying that God would nudge you and say to you, that's your one. Now, I want you to do for that one what you wish you could do for everyone. And don't use the excuse that says, well, since I can't do it for everybody, I'm not going to do it for anyone. All right? Now, let me give you a couple of tips here, then you can apply this, and then I want to introduce you to something that we're going to do in just a uh, couple of weeks. Tip number one, when you're thinking about this, go deep rather than wide. Go deep rather than wide. In other words, if you have a passion for high school kids or middle school kids, because when you were in high school or middle school, your life was kind of a disaster, and you just have a burden for high school kids or middle school kids, then what you need to do is find you a little itty-bitty group of high school and middle school kids and go deep with them. Don't just have a general concern for high school or middle school kids. You need to get you a group of kids together and you go deep with them. All right? Don't just be concerned about the plight of people who may be poor. You need to find a person or two that are poor and go deep with them. In other words, our tendency is to go wide and not deep. And the reason is, wide is easier. It's just easier. It's easier to have a general concern for something, right? What do you do if you've got a general concern? Well, you make a few posts about it. You change your profile pic to bring awareness. And heck, you might even give a few dollars to it. You, you might say a prayer for a couple of people. And you're going to feel really good about yourself, but you're not really doing anything for anyone. To do for one what you wish you could do for everyone means that you have to go deep rather than wide. That's where the difference is made. And the second thing I would say is go long-term rather than short-term. Go long-term rather than short-term. We, we like to think, oh, well, I'll just do this short-term, right? This is a big time commitment to go deep. It's an investment of your time. And let's be honest, no one has a bunch of free time just sitting around. You're going to have to make sacrifices in other areas to carve out time to do for that one person, that one class, that one age group. And this is why I'm calling it an investment. That's why this series is called Kingdom Investments. An investment is something that you sacrifice in one area so you can contribute in another area, expecting a return on that investment. And when you make a commitment to go long-term, that is exactly what you're doing. You are sacrificing that time at the gym. You're sacrificing going out after work. You're sacrificing that time at the lake or at the beach or in the mountains. You're sacrificing that time that you just want to relax and veg out on Netflix. And then you are investing that time in someone else. Paul says that type of investment is an investment in the kingdom of heaven. And if you keep it up and you don't give up, it produces a great harvest. So I've been praying for weeks that God would nudge you to that one, that one group, that one person, that one issue, that one need, that one organization, whatever it is, and then make a commitment to go deep and then to go long. Go deep and then go long. So over the next few weeks, I want you to pay attention. I want you to go about your life and I want you to pay attention for that one. Some of you may already know who or what that one is. Some of you are already engaged, but maybe for some of you, it's adoption. For some of you, it's 
fostering. For some of you, it's a group of kids or students here at our church. And to help you out, to, if you're not there, we have nine community organizations that are going to be here on our campus in two weeks. We're doing something called Serve Sunday. On August 21st, we are going to serve our community. And instead of having a church service, we're going to join together with these local community organizations and we're going to give an hour of our time helping them with some very specific needs that they have given us, some very specific projects. And you can see all of the organizations on our events page. So if you go to our events page, you can see the organizations, but you can also see the projects that we're going to be doing during our normal church service time. And there's a link, a button that you can click to sign up to let us know, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to work on that on that Sunday. And my hope is this, that if God hasn't shown you what your one is by that time, maybe some of you will find your one in one of these partners that we're bringing on. And whether it's one of these community partners or a specific area on Sunday uh, in one of our church services, or God leads you to a particular group or person outside of all of that, it's important that we get involved because that's what Christians do. We bring the kingdom of heaven into our world. And here's what I think. If everybody did that, it might just change the whole world. If everybody did for one what we wish we could do for everyone, it might just change the world. But here's what I know for sure. If you do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, it will certainly change somebody's world. And if your experience is anything like mine, it will definitely change your world as well. Hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as I was speaking, some people came to our minds, some uncomfortable situations maybe came to our minds, some things that will demand time came to our minds. And we know what you want us to do. I, I pray that we'll be open to investing our time in people who need what we have and people whose lives we should invest. So Father, nudge us, prompt us, whisper to us, and then give us the courage to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. And it's the name of Jesus I ask. Amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us again today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone you know, would you help us by sharing this video? Uh, not only could it be helpful for them, but this is helping us uh, reach our mission to accomplish, or, sorry, to accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And along those lines, as I ask you every single week, could I ask you to head over to our website. When you're looking at those uh, community organizations, can you also click on the Give button that's there? Choose one of those giving options that are there. Your faithful support helps us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. It helps us do things like Serve Sunday that we have coming up in a couple of weeks. Now, by way of benediction, let me reread to you Galatians chapter 6, specifically verse 10. Therefore, as we have time, let us do good to all people. May you this week be on the lookout for your one. May you hear the voice of the Spirit as he leads you. May you have the courage to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Hey, have a blessed week this week. I pray that God moves on you. Whatever your needs are, know that we love you and we're praying for you. We'll see you back next week.